Welcome to Sights and Sounds, a series of podcasts presented by the Gotham Center for New York City History for Open House New York Weekend. In this episode, Kathleen Murphy-Skolnick talks about the AT&T Long Distance Building in Tribeca and the artist responsible for the spectacular murals on the ceilings and walls of this breathtaking lobby, Hildreth Mier. As you'll hear, Mier is not often remembered today, even among scholars, but she was a renowned muralist in her day, pioneering a modern approach to the genre that broke with academic tradition in more than 100 commissions done alongside the leading architects of the early 20th century. Skolnick, who teaches art and architectural history at Roosevelt University in Chicago, is the co-author with Catherine Coleman Brower of the first book on Mier's work, a 2014 monograph focusing on her Art Deco murals. For more podcasts like this and for more Gotham Center programming, visit us at gothamcenter.org and sign up to our mail list. Thanks for listening. Walk into the skyscraper occupying the lot between 6th Avenue and Church Street in Manhattan's Tribeca, and you may be shocked by what you see. The lobby of this relatively unassuming building, still known as the AT&T Long Distance Building, is a masterpiece of Art Deco interior design, containing a breathtaking series of murals by one of the most talented, prolific, and versatile artists of the mid to 20th century, Hildreth Meyer. Don't be surprised if you don't know her name. Despite an extensive and impressive body of work spanning 40 years, Mier has not been well recognized, even among art and architectural historians. I didn't learn about Mier until 2005, when I heard her daughter speak at the World Congress of Art Deco in New York City. I was mesmerized by the beauty of Mier's designs and by Mier herself, who combined artistic talent and impressive business skills to achieve success and acclaim in a field dominated by men. Mier's career extended from the early 1920s until her death in 1961, during which time she worked on nearly 100 commissions. She designed murals for office buildings, churches, government centers, schools, theaters, restaurants, cocktail lounges, ocean liners, and World's Fair pavilions. And she worked in a wide variety of mediums, paint, ceramic tile, glass and marble mosaic, terracotta, leather, wood, marble, tapestry, and stained glass. Although her name may not be well known, Mier's work is in plain sight throughout New York City. The most visible examples are the colossal circular sculptures representing song, drama, and dance on the 50th Street facade of Radio City Music Hall, the mosaics at St. Bartholomew's Church on Park Avenue and Temple Emmanuel on 5th Avenue at 65th Street, and the marble inlay for the altar in St. Patrick's Cathedral's Lady Chapel. During her lifetime, Mier was acknowledged as one of the most important muralists of the day. She regularly exhibited cartoons and models of her designs in the annual group shows of the Architectural League of New York, and her work was featured in professional journals like Architectural Forum and Architectural Record. She was active in professional artists' organizations, holding offices in the Architectural League of New York after that organization finally opened its membership to women, the Liturgical Arts Society, which she helped to found, and the National Society of Mural Painters. She was named the Director of Mural Painting at the Beaux-Arts Institute of Design, served as a Director of New York's Municipal Art Society, and was the first woman appointed to the New York City Art Commission. Throughout her career, Mier's artistic talent was recognized with numerous honors. 
1928, the Architectural League of New York awarded her the gold medal in mural decoration for her work at the Nebraska State Capitol. In 1942, the National Academy of Design named her an associate. And in 1956, she received the Fine Arts Medal from the American Institute of Architects, designating her a Master of Murals. Anyone looking at her astonishing work inside the AT&T lobby building will immediately begin to understand Mier's level of achievement. And I'm going to tell you more about those murals soon. But first, a little more about the early life of the artist who created them. Mier was a New Yorker, born in Flushing, Queens in 1892. She attended Sacred Heart, a Catholic girls' boarding school in Manhattanville, the neighborhood known today as West Harlem. Her artistic talent was evident already then, in the sketches she made of student life and the costumes she designed for the Academy's parties. By the time she graduated in 1911, Mier had decided that she wanted to be an artist. Soon after graduation, her mother took her to Florence to spend a year under the painting mentorship of an English artist. It was there that she decided on the path her career would take. In New York, she had planned to be a portrait painter, but after seeing the Renaissance frescoes of Florence, which she later described as those great, beautiful walls, she knew that she wanted to design murals instead. When she returned to America, she continued her studies at the Art Students League of New York and after the family moved to California at the California School of Fine Arts. In early 1916, at 23 years old, after moving back to New York alone, Mier took a job designing costumes and sets for the theater. During World War I, she enlisted in the Navy and worked as an architectural draftsman at the Brooklyn Navy Yard. But she always had her sights set on becoming a muralist and immediately after her discharge from the military began taking steps to achieve this goal. She had hoped to study at the Beaux-Arts Institute of Design, but couldn't because that institution did not accept women. So instead, she enrolled in the School of Applied Design for Women, where she was pleased to learn that although she could not attend the Beaux-Arts Institute, she could participate in its design competitions open to students from other schools. These were design problems formulated by New York architects who often based the assignments on their own projects. Mier excelled, consistently earning first and second place medals in these competitions. Her winning designs even led to two actual jobs painting murals in private homes. In 1921, she received an introduction to New York architect Bertram Grosvenor Goodhue, who launched her professional career with two major mural commissions, the decoration of the Great Hall at the National Academy of Sciences in Washington, D.C., and the interiors of the Nebraska State Capitol in Lincoln. After Goodhue's death in 1924, she continued to work with his successor firm, Mayors Murray and Philip, who commissioned her to design the mosaics for St. Bartholomew's. At the request of church officials, her image of the transfiguration for the apse showed Byzantine influence. She was given greater freedom in designing the mosaics for the narthex, where she provided an Art Deco interpretation of the creation cycle. For the Sanctuary of Temple Emmanuel, another project for Mayors Murray and Philip, she put an Art Deco spin on traditional Jewish symbols, such as the ram's horn and kiddush cup. Mier also frequently collaborated with the illustrious New York architectural firm of Voorhees, Gamelin & Walker, working closely with the noted architect Ralph Walker, the firm's principal design partner. Walker designed many of the city's most elegant and innovative Art Deco skyscrapers and garnered a reputation as a specialist in the design of buildings for the communication industry. 
This will be important in a second when our story gets back to the AT&T Long Distance Building. But Mier's first commission with the firm was for the spectacular red banking hall in the old Irving Trust Company building at 1 Wall Street. The walls and ceiling of this space are covered in shimmering glass mosaic. Perry Coke Smith, a designer with Voorhees, Gamellan and Walker, was responsible for the thoroughly modern non-representational design, a jagged abstract pattern. But Mier determined the gradations in scale and color. The warm palette, which ranges from deep oxblood red at the base to a brilliant golden orange at the ceiling, creates an aura of richness and warmth. And the gold leaf tesserae forming the jagged lines grow closer as the walls rise. The effects look more like it was created by light rather than by variations in color. It was Mier's very next project with the firm that brought her into the lobby of the AT&T Long Distance Building. The building at 32 Avenue of the Americas was an extensive renovation and expansion of a pre-existing structure, the Walker Lispinard Building, originally completed in 1914 with seven more stories added a few years later. Voorhees, Gamellan and Walker was commissioned to enlarge and reface the building in 1929. Walker converted it to a stepped-back Art Deco tower, clad in multicolored, rough-textured bricks. The AT&T Long Distance Building was the world's largest long-distance center, a communications crossroads for long-distance telephone calls in the northeastern United States. In addition, all telephone calls between North America and overseas locations terminated at the building. The modern, progressive Art Deco aesthetic chosen for the architecture and Mier's designs was a perfect match for the building's technologically sophisticated function. Mier pioneered the use of Art Deco in architectural decorations for corporate America, and she was especially adept at using this modern aesthetic to tailor her murals to the business interests of clients. Her theme for the lobby reflected the building's literal function as a hub of international communications. If you look at the south wall of the vestibule at the building's 6th Avenue entrance, you will see a large rectangular map of the world she entitled Telephone Wires and Radio Unite to Make Neighbors of Nations. The map is fabricated from the same type of ceramic tiles that cover the lobby walls, only in a broader range of colors. The metal bands stretching horizontally across the tiled surface are meant to resemble the undersea cables laid by ships, like the one bobbing in the Atlantic between the United States and Europe. Now pass from the vestibule into the main lobby and look up to the ceiling, where you will see another mural designed by Mier. This is not what she originally proposed. Mier's initial theme for the ceiling was called A Day in the Life of a Telephone Girl. Telephone service expanded rapidly in the early decades of the 20th century, bringing more and more women into work as telephone operators, one of just a few professions open to them. As such, telephone girls came to be popular cultural icons of the time, symbols of modernity, of both economic and social change. Miera thought a mural centered around the so-called new woman would be more contemporary, modern, and interesting than one filled with monumental allegorical figures, such as personifications of virtues or moral values, the kind of images one traditionally found in earlier murals. Her proposed design showed a young woman waking up, enjoying her morning coffee, getting dressed, and leaving for her job in the AT&T Long Distance Building. 
1931 exhibition sponsored by the Architectural League of New York included a large drawing of Muir's proposed design, and photos of it appeared in the New York Evening Post. These are the only records of that design known to exist. It was never executed. The AT&T executives, all men of course, were not so enamored with the concept. As Mier later explained, they shied away from the bedroom scene and thought that her design sketches looked too much like a comic strip. They wanted a more conventional approach, allegorical figures and all. Mier was not only an artist, but an astute businesswoman, and she understood the importance of pleasing her clients, regardless of her own preferences. She went back to the drawing board and came up with an alternative approach, the continents linked by the telephone and wireless. Look again, and you'll notice this mural does include allegorical figures, like AT&T's executives requested, but in Mier's hands, the design is fresh and modern, with a vibrantly colored Art Deco aesthetic. Look closer, and you'll see two classically inspired female messengers as well, at the center of the ceiling. An eagle hovers above one, a condor over the other. They hold gold lines representing telephone and telegraph wires that extend diagonally to regal personifications of four continents at the periphery of the ceiling, symbolizing the ability of the telephone to unite the far-flung corners of the globe. To your right is Africa holding a fan. She's accompanied by two exotic lions and reclines against a backdrop of the Egyptian pyramids. To your left is Europe, who holds a scepter and an orb and leans against a classical column with the scroll-like top of an Ionic capital. A Roman aqueduct, the Dome of St. Peter's Basilica, and the Towers of Notre Dame can be seen in the background. Proceed through the lobby, and on your right, just beyond Africa, you'll encounter Asia, wearing a kimono and flanked by a tiger and an elephant. And to the left is Australia, readily identifiable by the kangaroo next to her. She holds a sheaf of wheat and rests her arm on the back of a sheep. The mural is executed in warm shades of orange, gold, and brown predominantly. The AT&T building mural gave Mier an opportunity to experiment with a new medium for her called silhouette mosaic, a technique using glass tiles called tesserae to form the outlines and details of the design. The spaces in between are filled with colored cement. Silhouette mosaic was more economical than solid mosaic, an important consideration in the Great Depression. A colorful border of multicolored glass mosaic tiles connects Mier's continents. She continued this mosaic decoration on the upper portions of the walls of the lobby corridor leading to the building's secondary entrance on Church Street. The linear abstract patterns suggest the long-distance telephone lines and crisscrossed wires of the building's switchboards. Mier would once again cross paths with AT&T at two giant world's fairs in the 1930s. At the 1933 Expo in Chicago, formally titled the Century of Progress International Exposition, she designed a shallow terracotta tile pool for the communications court adjacent to the communications hall, which housed the exhibits of three telecommunications companies, including AT&T. Like her mural for the long-distance building, this one also reflected the speed and worldwide range of communications via electrical transmission. Four stylized male and female figures, whom she dubbed the Spirits of Communication, race around a central globe, weaving a network of radio waves and wires. 
The figures, which blend classicism with Art Deco, are surrounded by the names of the communications companies that were represented at the event. Her many projects for the 1939 World's Fair, held in New York, also included several murals for the AT&T Pavilion. She designed a monumentally sized telephone lineman and switchboard operator for the overdoors at the entrance to the Bell Systems exhibit, putting the figures in low-relief gesso, a mixture of plaster and glue, and painting them in gold leaf against a striking vermilion background. Mir used this same color scheme for two glass mosaic murals at the entrance to the pavilion's auditorium, too. One, entitled The Communication of Thought by Sound and the Spoken Word, traced the progress of communication from the early days of mankind, shouting, drums, trumpets, all the way to the telephone. The other, The Communication of Thought by Sight and the Written Word, depicted smoke signals, a stylus and wax tablet, a runner, and the telephone and teletype, ultimate symbols of technological progress in that time. Those murals, well worth your time, cannot be viewed in public anymore. But you can find them on your smartphone, ultimate symbol of technological progress in our time. And thankfully, you can see Mier's mural at the AT&T building anytime you like, for many years to come. In 1991, the Landmarks Commission added the long-distance building lobby containing Mier's murals to its registry of protected spaces, recognizing the historic and aesthetic significance of the interior space as a precious New York City landmark. Ten years later, the building's owner extensively renovated it. So now everyone can admire Mier's designs in exquisite condition. And you can enjoy the rest of her work, too, by visiting the International Hildreth Mier Association at hildrethmier.com, which includes a list of all of her commissions indexed by state. I hope that you will. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sights and Sounds. Be sure to check out the rest of our podcasts at gothamcenter.org and sign up to our mailing list to find out about other programming here at the Gotham Center for New York City History.